That was a whole compelling vision that drove Christ's community was that we could uh, see those far from God, as Bill Hybels calls them, irreligious people, those that are far from Jesus, come to know him in a personal, intimate way. We've seen so many do that in the last 13 years. Matter of fact, this past week, it was 13 years ago that we incorporated Christ's community. We opened the doors September 8th, 1996. Wow. In the last 13 years, a lot's happened and a lot of reasons we love this place. And I want to just do something. I, I was uh, going through a list making this, why I love this place so much. And then I got this bright idea this morning. I'd ask some of you why you love this place so much. And you just confirmed a lot of what I was thinking and gave me some new ones. And so here's kind of the top 10 why I love this place. Ready? The number one. This is the one that I think gets me. And, and they're not in order sequence, but I, I think this one might be. The genuine, no pretense heart of worship to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in celebration, the vitality of the Lord Jesus in the power of the unity, amen, of the, of the Trinity. You agree with that? Put your hands together. That's what we're all about. A church that exalts Christ, not a denomination, not a person, not a man, not a woman, but Jesus. And last night, Don and I, we got to do a reunion group with the kids that we'd had come through our youth group over at Frazier. And, uh, man, it was so cool to celebrate life with them. Some of them have left the faith. Some are coming back. Last night, many were making fresh commitments. But I just thought, man, I don't ever want to take it for granted what we have in this place. It's just in a raw, authentic worship of God. Number two, I remember when we first started this church, I used to have so many comments about this. Man, are y'all that Pentecostal group? Do y'all handle snakes? Are y'all charismatic? Who are y'all? I go, we love Jesus and we love to express our hands toward the heavens and we worship him. You don't have to hold your hands up, but if you wanted to, it'd be okay. You know what I'm saying? And man, I just love the freedom in this place. And so many tell me about that all the time. They love the freedom. Somebody said this morning, because the spirit of Christ is alive and well. Third thing, folks will pray for you. They don't just talk about it. Folks will pray for you. A lot of times we have body life, and that's when we stop the service, and we pray for needs for that week and what's going on. And That's a unique concept. You know, I've just I almost finished writing the book, and it's amazing to me still that churches do not pray together except have a pastoral prayer. They don't pray. God forgive the church. The fourth thing, I like this. Where people know your name, and you'll get a hug if you want it. You know what I'm talking about? I love that. Matter of fact, I was out here with my friend Kevin. Kevin was in my youth group many years ago, and uh, Kevin and Meg and his kids, and I'm hugging his daughters, and I'm hugging Meg, and his son looked at like, you ain't going to give me a hug, are you? Mate? I, it's okay. Isn't it chance? Yeah, you know what? And I didn't hug you, did it? But I could have if you wanted me to. Okay, he's like, man, thank you, Pastor, for not hugging me. You know, and if you walk by candy, you're going to get a hug whether you want it or not. Okay, um, the fifth thing, Acceptance. Because we've been accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. I, I think that's one of the key things at Christ's community. People are accepted from every walk, race, creed, color, denomination, ethnicity, uh, money, education. People just accept you. Sixth, I like this one. It's part of our who we are. Change. To do things in an innovative way that exalts Christ, that we can just get away with it, do it because we want to honor God. Even how we do missions at Christ's community is creative. We don't have a, a denomination, so we don't have these big things that we give and nobody really knows. We just know we give our money and it goes and we see those missionaries. We get in a strict relationship. I just want to brag on you because you give the money. We give the money. When we give together, we can do more. But I can't tell you, Mike will tell you this, him and Nathan. 
We release checks all the time around this place for the glory of Christ from here to Hong Kong and in Montgomery because we have the ability, because there's a spontaneous move of the Holy Spirit, and when we see a need, we're able to meet it many times in mission efforts for Jesus Christ. Put your hands together for that. That is unheard of. Their church is a lot bigger than us, and they don't have the ability to move. And, and they always tell me, man, I wish we could do that. I say, well, you could. You just got to probably, you know, change something. Okay. Here's the, here's the seventh one. Where we're building a biblical community of faith. Building community is a priority. That's next weekend. Number eight, making Jesus the main thing, keeping him the priority. That's what I hope we do. Somebody said this. I wasn't going to say it, then somebody said it again. So I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, you know, who would have dreamed? I used to wear a suit. I used to wear a coat and tie. I wear a robe to weddings, and y'all uh, like, what are you, the Pope, or who are you? And, uh, but around here, I wear my shirt tail out all the time. And you know what? And y'all don't care. And, uh, and we can, don't you like it that we can be casual dressed, and you can just dress however, man? You know, I love it when people come into town, and it used to be, oh, I can't go to church with you on Sunday because I don't have a tie. I don't have a dress. Like, you got any clothes? Don't come naked. But if you got some clothes, just come. It's an awesome thought. And then the tenth one is, and this is what Isaac said. Isaac's new to us. He, he's a dadgum. I don't know what he is. He can play any instrument known to man. And he said this today. He says, I love the teaching, not the preaching. Wow. Man, that's humbling. So I got to keep working on it. You know what I'm saying? It just because, you know, to me, I'm, we're all in this thing together. And I just ha- happen to be in the office of pastor, and I have the responsibility to teach you. And I, the other day I ran into a guy at the leadership summit. He goes, hey, I heard you're one of those pastors that sits down now. How long do I really sit down? You know, I sit a little bit, and I stand up a little bit. But, man, I just kind of love this thing. But, you know, those are just some of the reasons I love this place and that you love this place. And we could probably give the top 50. But let's go on to what we're going to try to get to today. So, um, I don't have a narrative text like I've been preaching the last month or so, but we're just going to kind of bounce around in scriptures. But I want to start this way. Don and I were in Atlanta several years ago, and I was with a good friend, and I love automobiles and homes. I just kind of am into that. And they had this new thing that came out, and I wanted to experience it because I, I'd ridden by it on the interstate, but I'd never been in one. And uh, it was a different way to do automotive sales. And they had like thousands of cars on their lot. And I would ride by on the interstate and I'd go, man, that is just really bizarre. And it's really big. It's a lot bigger than anything we have in Montgomery. And I want to see what it is. And in this dealership, you walk in the front door and they had computer screens and monitors all in the center of the floor. There wasn't people trying to run me down in golf carts. Oops, I didn't say that. Or whatever. But there was just this, uh, all these terminals. And basically it said... If you need assistance, you can get it. If not, go over to the computer screen and type in the amount of money you want to spend and give it some criteria, and then it'll spit out for you how many cars we have in that price range, what the payments would be, and then it gave you a color-coded map. That was weird. And you could walk and you could find that car. It was called CarMax. You ever been to one? And and then they have this other part that was a little weird because... I follow a Jew, his name is Jesus, and I got some Jew in me, and I love to negotiate. You don't negotiate at CarMax. You go to CarMax, and and they got prices on the window. One price, or they say, bye, thanks for coming, come back again when you get a chance. You know what I'm saying? But it it was just a new way to market cars. That's the way they did it. Well, you know, I've been thinking about us. The word marketing is not, not a word from the pit of hell. Although in the church of Jesus Christ, people get scared of it, but even the most conservative, vibrant churches that are alive, they market. 
And let me tell you all, we are marketing, we are promoting, we are zealous about the most incredible thing that ever came down the road, and it is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we better figure out how to get his name to the ends of the earth. Amen? So I don't apologize for that. And like today, you know, we've got some guests, and you're still going. It's still freaking you out. You're like, sweet home Alabama, I just don't think you can do that at church. But you, when we sang, it is well with my soul, you went, we can do that in church. And all I'm saying is, I want you to grade our experience this morning on start to end and see if you encounter Jesus Christ. Because we've got a song we're going to do at the very end that I just called Adam yesterday to do. And I think it'll draw about what we're about in this place and what we want you to be about so that you can invite others. So, you know, evangelists. Did y'all know one of the greatest evangelists on the planet? you know what his name is? Matter of fact, he has infected more people in this room. If he's infected you, I want you to stand up right now. His name is Bill Gates. Stand up. Stand up if Bill Gates has influenced you. Hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, come on. Everybody stand up if Bill Gates. His products, Apple, iPhones, Macs, all those kinds. iPod. Oh, my. Come on. See? Okay, look at that. Okay. He's made a lot of money doing it. He's zealous about what he does. He's good at what he does. And you go... He's an evangelist. Okay, here's the evangelist when we think evangelist. And I've had the privilege of hearing him, read his books, took our staff through a book. I think he's the greatest evangelist that's lived in my lifetime. I think he's the greatest evangelist that's lived and touched more people in the history of time. His name is Dr. Billy Graham. He's zealous about the gospel of Jesus. Amen. So we can be evangelists about a lot of things. And I'm thinking, we need to learn how to love this place. And when I say this place, it's really a community. It's not a building so much, although we come to the building, but I love it when the church breaks out of the building. But we love the body of faith, the body of Jesus. You know, in preparing for today, I'm reminded of our early roots 13 years ago. For crying out loud, we met at Auburn University Montgomery School of Nursing, Irma B. Moore, every Sunday morning. We had a sign we had to put up every Sunday morning and take it down at before 1 o'clock when the nursing students came in or they would cancel our contract. I pulled a trailer in those days for the first year. We had a building. Donna cut fresh flowers every Saturday and Sunday. We won't tell you where she got them. And maybe your yard. And, um, and we would decorate that place. But there was something about it. There was an authenticity, a raw pursuit of God to know God. And people gave their lives to Jesus every weekend. Fast forward, we built here two and a half years later. We've been here 10 years this past spring. And we've continued to see the Spirit of the Lord. But i got to just, just be honest with you, we've kind of settled down a little bit. We've kind of lost that zeal, that passion for the things of God, for the Christ, for His church. And I'm not talking about for the building, for this body. And today, my prayer is God, inspire, motivate, empower, fire up Christ's community to make Jesus Christ known. You know what I'm saying? And, man, we, we just got to get off of it and say, God, I want more. I want more in my experience with you. So how do we fire you up? I think you get fired up from walking with Christ. You draw near to him. Look there real quickly with me. On the top of your outline, I want you to write down these words, seven signs of a lost person. You might be here today and you're lost. Or you probably know some lost people. Matter of fact, I know you know some lost people. Here they are, number one, they're directionless. They don't have direction in their life. They, they seem to be moving along without purpose and meaning. 
I can so identify with that the first 19 years of my life. I ran my life. I was in charge of my life. There was no direction except what I gave it. Number two, they're a person that is defenseless. They're helpless. They really are kind of pitiful sometimes. They're sad. They don't have the ability to lift themselves up. That's what grace is about. Grace lifts us up. It sustains us. Third, they're many times discouraged. They're lifeless. They have no joy. Or they have limited joy. They really don't have joy. They have a thing called happiness. And happiness always depends on the circumstances. Joy is an inward work of God in your heart. It's an inward work of grace, an inward work of Jesus. The fourth, they're disconnected many times. They're lonely. They're tired. They're kind of pushed to the side. They're marginalized. They, they don't know where they fit because God's created in them a place, a vacuum to come and dwell in their heart. Fifth, they're depressed so many times. They're sunken. They're sad. They're hopeless. They've grown weary. They've grown tired in the journey called life, and they don't know if they're going to make it. Sixth, you'll love this one. They're devilish. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm going to start that one. They're sinful. They're wicked. They're unrighteous. As Tony Evans said one time, sinners do what sinners are supposed to do. They sin. So when wicked folk, people that aren't of faith in Jesus Christ's persuasion that maybe you and I are this morning, they're acting out what their nature tells them to do. But when we get saved, we get a new nature. We become brand new in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? So we don't have to be devilish. And the seventh is these people are devastated. They're overwhelmed. They're damaged. They're desolate. You know what I meet around here every month, every week, every year? Damaged people. I think we've got a sign out front. I don't see it, and I pray it would be brighter. It would say, damaged people, come here and be restored by Jesus, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at number one. Seize a vision for the lost. Gain a vision for those that are far from God, those that don't know Christ, those that know about him, but they don't know him. John 4.35 says, do you not say for four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. When we built this church, we had a whole campaign called Building for the Harvest. And Jesus said, there's a harvest. The workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. And I'm asking us, if we gather in concert, in unity, in a concentrated effort, and move out in Jesus' name, we could fill this place up over and over and over, not for the sake of a church, not for the sake of man, but for the glory of God forever and ever and ever for eternity. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? Jesus said it this way, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Are you glad Jesus found you? Man, I'm glad he found me. I'm glad he found you. See, there used to be a doctrine we preached a lot. And somehow we've gotten away from it. It's called the doctrine of hell. Are you going to go into a damnation passage there, pastor? I could. Jesus certainly talked about hell. Hell's real. If hell wasn't real, I wouldn't do what I'm doing. I'd go do something else. But heaven's that much more real. Heaven's that much more greater. Heaven's where we want to end up eternally. Amen? But hell's real. And I have to tell people about the reality of hell. Because, see, used to when they would preach the doctrine of hell, men would tremble. And now I'm afraid that we don't tremble when we hear about hell when people die and go into a Christless eternity. It literally keeps me awake at night sometimes. I pray for all the people we're not reaching. And I can't. And you can't, but together we can. Those far from God, do we have a deep craving for the lost? Are we pointing people into Jesus? Just write this thought down real quick. Our witness matters. Your witness matters. As weak or as strong as your witness is, it matters to God. It makes a difference in the lives of others.
you know, um, there's a passage in the Bible that haunts me. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me. And under my watch of 27 years now as a pastor, and last night as I gathered with kids, and only a small portion of the thousands we had come through there and the thousands that have come through this church, I think how many know Jesus really intimately and they'll gain eternal life in heaven one day. I pray all, but all won't. And even today I go, man, don't know about God. Don't know about Jesus. Know him. Don't know the facts. Don't be factual. Don't be a cognitive Christian. Don't be it in your mind. Be it in your heart. Somebody once said, the difference between heaven and hell is 18 inches. Your head to your heart. Your heart is your very core, your existence of who you are. And my prayer is that Christ would become so real in your heart that Corinthians says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith or not. Man, that's the hope of the gospel this morning because the the gospel liberates, it sustains, it sets people free and makes them new. It gets them out of this bondage stuff. Pursuit of the person of Christ. And I just wonder, I've, I've got a definition here. Get ready to write this. Relational evangelism is becoming a trusted friend for the sake of eternity. It's not just seeing how many friends you can get on Facebook. I've already done that. And that's fun and it's on and it drives you nuts. But it's becoming a trusted friend with another, befriending them for the sake of eternal life, for them knowing Christ. When Christ ministered beyond Galilee, beyond Capernaum, it, the message of the gospel went to the entire world. And now we sit here in North America. We sit here in Montgomery, Alabama. Yes, we sit here in Sweet Home, Alabama. And we have the gospel. And Christ says, seize a message, seize a vision for those that are far from me. Um, I could just give you, be salt, be light. Light radiates. Salt makes thirsty. How many of you like salt when you go to eat? If you ever go eat Mexican, Kevin, we're going to do this sometime. I love Mexican food. Anybody knows me knows that I'm going to eat Mexican once a week. I just do that. I hated Mexican as a kid, but as an adult, I got new taste buds. And uh, so it was cool. And when I go and they bring chips out, one of the first things I do, I reach over for this little container that has a white substance in it. What's it called? And I, go, and I don't even ask you. I just start salting. And every once in a while, I try to be nice and go, would you like salt? Because if you say no, like, get your own bowl of chips, Bubba. These are mine. Because I know that salt makes those chips better. You know what I'm saying? It makes me, it makes me thirsty. It, 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 you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're, you're zesty. Well, you know, our lives ought to make people hungry for God. Not repulse people, not make them sick. But, you know, today I, I got to think about a way that I want to show you something. I want to uh, do this quickly. I want, I want five people to come up here real quick. And I don't know how we're going to do this. I got a table and a grand piano and we got a lot of stuff on stage. But five of you come real quick. There you go. Five, two, three, four, five. Okay. I, I want you all to get in a circle. All right, y'all just hold hands in a circle. Just some of you up here. On the, there you go. Okay. Come on up here a little bit. Come on because we're going to need more room in a minute. There you go. Okay. All right, now, it, 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 isn't this sweet right here? All right, now, I'm going to lead y'all in kumbaya, okay? No, I'm, I'm kidding, but, but here it is. So, but, but you know, I'm doing this for a reason, because this is the way the church of Jesus Christ happens most of the time. We come in, we're not accepted, we find out we're accepted in the beloved, and we come in, and we join Christian hands, and we all look at each other. Man, I love you, and I love you, and where are we going to eat tonight? And then, y'all keep holding hands. And, and uh, somebody take a picture of this, because this is hilarious. But that's the church. There, there's only one problem with that, and, and I'm all about small groups, aren't we, Pam? But do y'all see a little problem with that? 
First of all, there's only one woman and, and four men. So we, uh, but, but, but there's another problem. It is so stinking inward focused. It's all about them. Now, Jessica, get up quickly. Darlene, come. Garrett, come, come, buddy, quick. Come on. John, come on, man. Sean, come, buddy. Hey, Candy, you gotta come. You'll give somebody a hug. John, come, man, come. Larry, come, quick. Come. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here, I need some more. Elizabeth, come. Mike, come, buddy. Come, come quickly. All right, now, y'all kind of circle this group, okay? There you go. And you're going, oh, pastor, this is so cool. They're just, now, is, is that 10? Oh, give me a couple more around, y'all. Here you go, Terry, get up quickly, Terry, run. You come up here and, and kind of fill this in. And, and then look at this. You're saying, oh, that's nice, and the, and the church is growing, and they got a little Kononia group there in the middle, and there ain't much happening now. we got a little bigger outer group. But here's what I want you to do. Y'all in the inner circle, I want y'all to just let go of hands, and I want y'all to all stick your right hand into the middle. Now I don't want y'all to get y'all's left hands and, and, and turn it out. And then now I want y'all to turn around this way and grab their hand and grab hands and form it all the way around. Now, some of them are still trying to figure it out, but bless their heart. But the premise is this. Do you see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to draw you a picture. This group now is connected inwardly, but they've now turned outwardly to invite others into this group called the Church of the Living Christ. Put your hands together and thank God for these people. Isn't it awesome? You are great. Okay. Now you're saying, we have done Sweet Home Alabama. He's humiliated about 15 people in the middle of the service. What is he going to do next? I'm going to serve Kool-Aid and cookies. No, I'm, I'm, te- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay, here we go. All right. But 1 Corinthians, let me give you a passage. The Apostle Paul, he gives this passage here, and it's so good. It's Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's verses 19 to 23. And the Apostle Paul talks about becoming more than he is, becoming all things. And listen to what the Word says. Though I am free, I belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those that are not having the law, I become like one not having the law, although I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. I love verse 22. Underline it. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. Isn't that awesome? The Apostle Paul is trying to say in 2009 there's going to be a church on Ryan Road and that they will become all things to all people and even to the weak and to the strong that they might win them for the glory of Christ. That will be the church that I'll put my hand on. I'm like, God, I thank you for this truth, Lord. But you see, what happens is we get in this holy huddle and we watch each other. And the sad thing is after you've been a Christian six months, two years, You don't even hardly have any non-Christian, non-believing, non-Christ follower friends. I'm convinced if we learn how to gain a vision and seek a vision for those outside the walls of the church, the church would grow off the charts. But greater than that, the glory of Christ would be revealed in our city. 
It's a great thought. Number two, be cautious of the inward focus. That's what I was talking about just now. That whole diagram, I, I lost my place. That's okay. Be cautious of being inward focused. Have a vision for the lost and, have not, and be outward focused, not inward focused. Number three, concentrate your efforts on sharing Christ. Concentrate those efforts and, and be focused and have a laser effort that you go for the things of the kingdom. You go for the kingdom of light. Nino Cubine says, Nothing can add more power to your life than concentrating all your energies on a limited set of targets. If you want to accomplish much in your life, you've got to do a few things, extremely concentrated focus, do them well. Now, man, that right there is a word of conviction that I do not want to hear when I listen to this message on CD and grade myself. Because I do lots of things. And I need to learn how to do fewer things well, and so do you. But we all have to do this one thing well called evangelism, personal, relational, tag team, winning, sharing, promoting Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what it is. I'm hoping you're kind of gaining the vision. Go, man, we can do that in concert. We can do that together. We can win the week. The fourth thing, cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. Go in partnership. Blackerby says, find where God is working and leave him there. That's not what he says. He says, find where God is working and join him there in that effort of supernatural power and growth and life. Who, the question is, who are you being relational with? Write that down. Who are you being relational with? Who are you building a friendship with? Who are you coming alongside, pointing them to Christ in ways that the Holy Spirit prompts as you know Scripture, as you know Christ, and you go, I want them to have more of Him. Psalm 142.4 says, Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I pray that we'll figure out how to care for other people and how we'll begin to care for those outside that circle that we uh, demonstrated here this morning. Because y'all... I feel like we have a unique opportunity in the central Alabama River region to make Christ Jesus known. Because there's just not a lot of pretense around here. There just ain't a lot of fanfare. We don't just have a lot of programs. That's just not who we are. But I wish we could get a lot more about a lot more of Jesus and a lot more about winning our friends to him and inviting them and say, man, come as you are. I mean, I meet people from every persuasion every week, and I'm thrilled by that, but I wish we would just meet them off the list. And I'm going to give you a fifth one. You're saying, fifth? There's not a fifth. Oh, I added two more. Okay, get ready. Number five. Cry out in prayer. Cry out to Jesus. Here's the thing I write about in the book. I have a hit list. I pray it every Saturday morning. Friday morning, I pray my hit list. And my hit list is those far from God. Those that I want to see saved. I have some that have been on there for decades now. Decades. Over, over three decades I've got some that are still there. And I'm still begging God to save their soul. And there's some that have been on there five days and five years and five months. I'm asking you, cry out to Jesus and say, God, and overflow my heart. I want to be passionate about seeing my friend coming because I believe prayer works. How many of you believe prayer works? And I was reading a book by Craig Rochelle. We had him during the one prayer thing. I love Craig. And you got to write this down because this is better than the sermon I'm preaching today. This is going to mess you up. Is anybody ready to get messed up? All right, this right here is going to mess you up. I promise you. And I wish you'd write me emails and call me and do whatever, and we'll go eat some chips together. Now, listen to this. If you will pray this prayer, you're going to get messed up. Three words. Now, I don't know if you can handle it. 
I, I, I just don't know if I can give you all that word. It's too tough. All right, you ready? Here it is. You ask for it. God, disturb me. God, disturb me. Now, I don't know at what point. Just God, disturb me. Last time I checked, you asked God to ruin you, to disturb you. You just open yourself up to the Almighty. But God, disturb us in this place. I'm disturbed about the lack of attendance this summer. I'm disturbed about the giving, but I'm really disturbed about the baptism waters not flowing like they should. I'm really disturbed about people not having their marriages saved like they could. I'm really disturbed about a lot of spiritual things. But God, disturbed me. And I'm asking us to join that effort. Say, God, people matter to God. The sixth thing, quickly. Invest and invite. Andy Stanley coined that phrase a long time ago. A guy named Dan Ryland really picked up on it, began to do teaching. And he says, invest in others, be relational, invest, love people, care for people, spend your resources on them, spend time with them, do life with them, hang out with them. It's all about next weekend. But just do something special. Be their friend, invest, invest. And then the second part is that, then invite, invite. Invite them to attend your small group. Uh, invite them to attend a weekend celebration service. And the thought just comes to me, who have you invited recently to attend worship with you? Well, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I just, I'm just going to come by myself. Well, I know, I'm kind of tired of seeing you by yourself, you know. I mean, I love you, but I wish you'd bring somebody with you. Because what was the title of this series? I love this place. Last time I found out when you love something, you tell people. Right now, here it is. I'm sorry, it's the best illustration I got. It just came to me. My uh, son, she's not here right now, Rachel is here. Did Jeremy leave? After playing at piano, you're probably tired. Okay. You know what? Jeremy didn't go, shh, shh. I'm near you. Man, he walks around. She walks around. Oh, and it's so, and I'm getting so cool with it now. This is my husband. This is my wife. And then they tell people, and I tell people, because, man, I'm, like, excited. I want everybody to know I got a boy. And, and we, listen to this. You'll love this. We had a reunion last night, and I wrote the other day, I have a son now. Thank God. Thank God. It's so awesome. I have a vote now. And uh, thank you, Jeremy. You're, like, trying to help things there. And, uh, and one of my old teenagers went, oh, no. You mean our youth pastor was in sin all those years? He had a son, and we never knew about it? <laughs> no, you dummy. They did it in a righteous manner. But here's the thing. When you got something good, you go tell other people about it, don't you? And if we really believe the house of the living Christ is alive and well and vital and vibrant, we're going to tell people about it in these stinking chairs. You know what? Man, this right here, I can't do that no more. Because there ain't no empty chairs to do it with. Robbie Taylor, that was for you. Robbie loved it one time when I threw chairs and I just thought about it. Can you see me in a big traditional church trying to pick up a pew? Come on, Jay, pick it up, man. We got to throw it. <laughs> All right, now, here we go. Van, Adam, come. Here's our closing benediction today. The side tables, the crosses are open. Elders, y'all begin to move in place. Pastors, elders, move at the cross. <sighs> This song right here is a song of hope. It's a song of victory. It's a song of desperation. John, do you mind picking that chair up for somebody trips over in the dark? Thank you, sir. Okay. And, and this right here says it all. I'm desperate for you. We're going to open the altar up in the next five minutes. This altar and the side tables are open for spiritual counsel to lead you to Christ, to pray. 
Y'all begin to pray. Begin to come and hang out at this altar. Hang out at the side tables with people of faith. Don't leave. Don't leave. In the next five minutes, it could change your life. Adam, begin to lead us over that, you and the band. Y'all, let's worship the Lord. This is why I love this place. I love the freedom, but I love the worship of the mighty risen Christ. Come, church. The altar's open. Come. Sides are open. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I I'm desperate for This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word. Come on, stand and sing it with us. And to me and I, and I.
says we're lost without you father thank you for finding us in your son jesus and lord i pray that we have drawn near to your heart this morning father god and i pray that we're so convinced and so confident that you have begun a good work in us that you will finish it against that day of christ jesus as philippians teaches i pray that we would be convinced and commanded and empowered to go forth and share the hope of christ with the lost world we love you jesus christ You are the risen one. In Jesus' name, amen.